This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Laura Lee Smith. She is a real estate agent in the Bryan College Station, Texas and surrounding areas. And if you're in the market to buy or sell a home in this area, look no further than Laura Lee Smith. She's honest, trustworthy, hardworking, and everything that you need when you're making such a big investment in your future in buying or selling a home. Don't take our word for it just because we used her and she got us into the perfect house for us and our family. And we would definitely not support anybody who we didn't believe in wholeheartedly. Give her a call or text her, have a conversation with her and see what she has to say. You won't be disappointed. Her number is 979-218-2315. That's 979-218-2315. Also, my friend Danny has his website up and going. See the number five rvrepair.com. Go over there, check it out. Also, head over to his Facebook page, C5 Mobile RV Repair. Like it and let him know that the podcast sent you over. He would definitely appreciate it. If you want to support the podcast monetarily, Go to 95adventures.com, check out any of the custom coffee blends we have in stock over there, and order as many as you like. If you want to support the podcast the most important way possible, that is go to your listening platform, like, rate, review it, and then take a screenshot of the episode such as this one and repost it on your social media. Tag us. Don't tag us. Just know that we really appreciate any and all of that support. Okay, this episode is with Keith Mitchell. He's a former professional football player. He made the Pro Bowl, and then an injury turned his life into actually what it's supposed to be. And I guess that's explaining it a little weird, but you'll hear Keith's story and what he really does, and mindfulness, mindfulness practice, and a bunch of tips in this episode that I'm definitely going to take away with me, and I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to Keith. So without any further delay, enjoy Keith Mitchell. All right, we're recording. Well, thanks, Keith, for being on, man. I, I really uh, I really enjoy you doing this. Or, right. and- well, appreciate you having me. Appreciate you having me, man. Um, I know I I man, I found out about you on LinkedIn. I just followed you, and to be honest, you looked like like the way you looked. I couldn't tell if you were real or not. I'm so. <laughs> it's just like man, this dude's like he's a. He's a big dude, but then he's also into yoga, and then he looks like a model. I'm not. I'm not. Is this a bot? Is this a fake account? And the the more I followed, the more I was like, oh yeah, it's real. This guy's like super interesting. So I really enjoyed the following on LinkedIn actually, um, and then found out you're a football player, and this just it, it's one of those things where two worlds collide uh, or come together, and. It's super fascinating to me. And then with the whole CTE thing and everything else going on, um, one of my favorite books, just to let you know, is um, is uh, are Miyamoto Musashi's books and writings. Um, okay. That sort of stuff where you blend like warrior with the peace side of things and stuff like that. And so all this stuff's really fascinated me. And, um, and so I thought, man, I'll reach out to you. And you said yes. I got super stoked. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and that duality is a part of life. It all goes together. It's not separate. I think sometimes we try to compartmentalize it, but it all goes together. Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. Um, And then you do a ton of work with kids, don't you? Yes, I, I love working with kids. Yeah, that's and that's awesome, man. I saw something on there the other day about you, uh, you speaking um, in front of a bunch of class and stuff. Do you ever hear any sort of like 
feedback? Do you ever get feedback and results from like the kids that you go talk to or some of these public speaking events that you do and stuff like that? Yeah, you know, one the first time when I first moved to LA, I went to this uh, homeless shelter, and you know, coming from the bubbles that we are in, in some cases, I know for myself, I was in. Uh, I never realized uh, kids were growing up in homeless shelters. So I got an opportunity to go and share the practices there at, at Skid Row, downtown L.A. And uh, I got I got a chance to take the kids through uh, a practice, man. At first, it was very emotional. It was just I was just so touched that these kids, you know, come into the world, uh, with, you know, no choice on this. It's like and they're going through this experience of being on Skid Row. But nevertheless, I got a chance to share with them some of the practices and um and one is in particular is called True North, and it's how you posture yourself when you speak your name and when you speak your desires of your heart. And um, it's so funny because it, you know the kids are impressing, you know, and, and it downloads into them. And and the, the the woman there who invited me to come up and, and share with the kids, she called me like the next day. She's like, the kids are coming up saying, I'm in my True North, and I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be an athlete. That was so that just touched my heart in the most amazing way, man. So. Uh, I really love working with kids because really all the adults are just a bigger version of the kids because we haven't typically uh, exercised to get an advanced emotional maturity. So there you go. That uh, that's fan- I can't imagine the feeling it is like you know when the youth like we teach some you know I help my wife out with a little bit of like classes and youth fitness stuff and just that and then coaching little league and you know helping kids out at the skate park stuff like that is just it brings you so much joy when you get feedback i can't imagine going to some place like skid row or speaking in front of a school and just having kids you know getting that sort of feedback that even after you leave the kids are holding their head up high and you know and and saying they're going to be something that's successful and aspiring to be something you know and get themselves out of a situation or or aspire to be something you know good in life Right. And, and speaking of that, actually, it subways into uh, a lot of reasons why we have these breakdowns, mental breakdowns, that is, because for whatever reason, we don't really get that kind of encouragement at home. <laughs> and uh, however, uh, you know, unravels is more or less we are trying and have to having to prove ourselves at home. You know, it's like they have an expectation. That's the parents that is that present. They present the expectation, and that we were to meet that expectation. But it's, for some reason, we're never really typically encouraged to go out and just be great. Uh, it's always another thing with it. So a lot of my students that I get a chance to teach and share with around the country, uh, you know, we we come to those conclusions because uh, I see it consistently happening, uh, and I think some of that is begins to be the burden so when we get a chance to when i get a chance to go to visit schools i i think and out of the all the places that i get the most nervousness about is working with kids because there are the future they're the ones that you just never know what's going to connect to that one individual that skyrockets skyrockets his career and his approach to life to go out and really just you know be that that next billionaire, that next, uh, you know, uh, scientist uh, or athlete, whatever it is that they become. Well, and do you find it a little bit just knowing some of your background and story? And so everybody knows like you, you know, you're a division one athlete 
and then you know, a football player, and then you played professional football. And I know you've told this story a bunch of times, but uh, and then I guess you broke your back, correct? Well, my neck. I I, uh, neck. I had a, a spinal contusion, kind of like um, the the linebacker from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Owens Shazier. Um, he was a Buckeye. He was, uh, you familiar with what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had one in his. He had the contusion in his lumbar. I had mine in my cervical spine, so right at the base of my neck. So I, I had paralysis for about about over a month, and it took really my body just to kind of get back in some sort of sync. Really, in ninety days. Uh, and I and actually, I have a book coming out, the Mindfulness Playbook, that's going to kind of go over my journey and some strategies that I use, not even knowing the technical sense of it, but some of the journey, some of the strategies that I use to like move through that experience because that was very that was a very that was a life-changing experience for me well i was gonna ask if if like you had always practiced this you know the meditation the yoga the mindfulness or if this was something that was brought on from the injury well that was brought on from the injury uh from the standpoint of just a simple uh question and answer and it was so interesting because contemplation is the type of meditation that i promote uh contemplation is as all problems are solved by questioning and answering uh now the now the trick is to answer the question truthfully and and then realize and observe your answer so when in the in my situation in the hospital um this nurse came to me and she she talked to me about uh, conscious breathing and she said she asked me this question and you know as an athlete i'm like listen to this question i'm like okay she's like do you know what happens when you breathe and I was like, do I know what happens when I breathe? I breathe. I never thought about it. So it's a very interesting thing is because until you can conceptualize the breath, it, can no, it can't be a tool. It can only be a tool when you can conceptualize it. Now when I can conceptualize it, now I can integrate it into my life. And until then, it's sporadic. Which is so phenomenal because I was like, I'm a professional athlete. I should know. It. I mean, I train. It's just, I'm, I've been running, living my whole life doing this, and I never stopped to consider to know, to even ask the question of what happens when I breathe. Yeah. Do you do you think athletics helped you a little bit with answering that those questions honestly? It didn't because the thing is that athletics is is more role play. It's like, so you find a character and you get into that character, but you don't know, you haven't, you haven't considered why you're getting into that character. You don't haven't considered like, uh, my reasoning behind this, you know, what's causing me, what is my, my, when we talk about so many athletes, I love the game. Well, how does love, because it seems like a contradiction, love and the violence of a football game, how they don't really coexist together. But so so you so it's deeper than that. So it's a psychology, a psychosis that you have to dive into to really get the truth of it. So let me go into what happens when you breathe, because maybe the listeners they may be pondering this question still. Because oh, again, we want we want to conceptualize it so it can become a tool. So on the inhale, the diaphragm pushes down. On the exhale, it raises up. We take about 10,000 breaths a day. So with this breath, with this movement, we get an opportunity to massage the internal organs. Therefore, our reaction is more intentional, right? It's, not, it's more intentional and less reactive. So now 
what I'm doing, I'm learning to process life as it happens. And I'm also expounding upon and learning to have this emotional maturity that we started this conversation with in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm fascinated by breath work. Uh, You started that. It's just a lot of, and a lot of athletes are trying to get into it. You know, the Wim Hof stuff, it's starting to catch on. Speed, strength, endurance. Uh, Laird Hamilton, all of his stuff is, they're getting, you know, where they're starting to use like breath and all sorts of extreme sports and different things in life all the way around. Just to be, just to be healthier as a human, breathing is like super important and breathing properly because before that, like you said, we don't even think about it. Right. And so it's fascinating to me that you can break it down because not very many people have been able to break it down for me when I ask that question. Yeah, yeah. It's very important because, again, we must learn it as a tangible. Because now when we go into some of the diagnoses that we give ourselves, some of the diagnoses that others give us, uh, you talk about anxiety. Well, the technical definition of anxiety is simply not enough oxygen to the brain. So I'm not breathing. Right. And so you talk about even stresses. Stresses is the interpretation of the situation. Right. So if it's an interpretation of the situation and we're talking about breathing, for an example, can be a way that I can process the situation. Now, what happens when I breathe, slow my breath down to see the situation? How does it change my dynamic here? How does it change the word for it, the definition and as it applies to me with this concept as well? Oh man, this is like the answer to something that, and I kind of looked it up because, um, you know, whenever I get, I found I do like perform better or do better at work or whatever it is, when things start happening, they go super duper fast for me and I start to feel like that stress kicking in. I breathe in for seven to 10 seconds, hold it for seven to 10 seconds, breathe out for seven to 10 seconds and do that several times. And I from all the things that I had read, it's supposed to like slow down your or stop your fight or flight mechanism and calm your body down to where you can think, process things, kind of look at things level headed. But you're breaking it down like on a whole, like the actual level that I can kind of understand how the process works. Yes. And, and, and what happens is now you make time because, you know, in the esoteric world, time doesn't exist. Time, time is just a, a concept. So when you break down the processing mechanism, now you access more time. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> okay, now my, mind, now my mind's blowing. You access more time. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's true because I guess, you know, the process, it slows down everything, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It does. It slows down everything. So, so here's the thing, what I learned in my transition transformation from high school college to the pros really what changed my game is uh, a veteran he took his two index fingers and he put them together in front of my vision pointing straight straight forward right he's like that's how you see the game from a high school college level in the pros you're to see the game he moved his index fingers if you can imagine the index fingers both fingers going far apart all the way to the peripheral one to the right and one to the left as far as I can see, right? And it's like, that's how you see the game. And even when you see the game from that perspective, right? And now if, if I would have known about the breath, now I really would have been on. But when you when you expand upon that perception, now you are allowing yourself to access more angles. 
Yeah, and the game slows down. And the game slows slows down. And so, and and, and how we can use that in life now, as I teach people, uh, leverage points. So when we're having these deep discussions that or these crucial discussions that can get taken out of context or we want to face these really hard issues that we've been traumatized and we want to dive into it when we can find our leverage points it slows things down it access more time and then we find a strategic way to go dive into it in order that we can release these traumas so we can be the greatest version of ourselves Man, and so do you find, I mean, not, to kind of go back to where we were talking about the first, where the, you know, you're speaking to the kids, that the the transformation of being this athlete that never really thought about your breathing to the injury that it didn't really force you to, you just found that avenue out. And then you got this, you kind of learned at a later stage in life. So your want and that, that uh, that thing that you go speak to schools and kids and you know try to get them started on the right track because just like you in football and anything else that we do in business whatever it is our jobs being parents we always try to prep children to be better than we are. Do you find okay. do you find like do you find that like that sort of thing rewarding with this like the breath work and trying to get them started off because of where you were going up into being a professional athlete and then, you know, now learning something new that kind of opened your eyes? Well, see, I think the thing is that, like, the first chapter in my book is to find your words. So when you go back to the verbiage of what you just said, be better than I am, well, ask the parent, who do you say that you are? How 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 is your life progressed? How is the love in your life? Are you able to give and receive love? Are you compassionate with yourself? Do you have this relationship established with yourself? Do you give yourself love and kindness? So when you talk about these things, right, and you take on these words, where words can be a container, they can be a conditioning, that you're giving yourself, and you don't even know it, you're giving yourself this verbiage that was handed down to you and is and is bombarded with all these burdens and vagueness that we don't even have a true application to interpret how we actually feel. Man, the language is not even ours. That's such a crazy way to look at it. It's like changing the way I, I as you're talking. I'm seeing you know the way I talk, the things I say, um, things that come out of my you know just all those sort of things. And you're asking those that's a tough question. Like, that's a really tough question to ask. Like as a parent, like where do you see yourself at? And then, so now look at the kid because see, the kid is, he's, he's been the witness. He or she has been the witness. And as you're setting this precedent, right? Well, he's like, well, I don't see you very happy. She's like, well, I don't see loving relationships around here. So it begins to be the contradiction again. Right. Yeah. And, and so the next question that I go around the country asking on top of the one, do you know what happens when you breathe? The next one is, when did you first realize that you had a relationship going on with yourself? <laughs> That's something I've never, ever thought about. I got to be honest. Like, I've never really thought about having a relationship with myself. You know, I've always, um, I've always just kind of been, you know, I know what I enjoy. I know what I love. Um, I recognized a moment in my life where I wasn't pursuing the things that I love. I kind of went where people told me to go. And then slowly but surely by taking everything away and rebuilding it, I kind of figured out things that I enjoyed again. 
But outside of that, I've never really thought about it as a relationship. Well, if you really dive into it a little bit, uh, most of the things that we've done, the decisions that we've made, is not because we want to. It's because the pressures, the conditions that we've learned, the behaviors that we've learned to do it for. And the reality is, whether you knew the relationship was going on or not, it was going on. And from that, we've created patterns. We've created ways. We've created rapport. And just like any relationship over time, the body begins to want to break up with yourself because you you know it's like that nature of the relationship when i'm when i'm trying to get your attention you're not listening to me when, you, when i'm trying to tell you what i need you're not listening to me well then the body just over time just begins to break down you know so so when you really break down the, the dis-ease in the body and the mindsets right it starts in the emotional body the liver is anger the kidney is fear the heart lungs is grief in the in the gut is worry and from these begin to fester and continuous of the disease that happens in our bodies. So how do you change it when you've built this big rapport up with yourself? Well, when you create this rapport within yourself, naturally, it's going to go out. What comes in must come out. It's like it's the nature of that life, right? That as it as you ingest, it has to. It's going to naturally come out, right? So. When you, when you build this rapport within, now you begin to also gain an intuition. So the intuition is going to teach you how to, what extent that you could give to others and what capacity do they have to receive you. It begins to give us the knowledge. The intuition is knowledge, you know, and that's what's missing because we've never really begun to go into uh, developing those things inside because we didn't know we had this relationship with ourselves. And and I, I have in my book a practice that you can do to show you if you really don't want if you don't really don't believe it up to the, to this point of what you can do to go and test and whether it's and see if your body trusts you or not. And you will see your body's like I don't trust you. I don't think you can support me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean. And I, I really like what you said that you're putting this practice in there because I've tr- like I really try like I was looking into meditating and yoga and just all sorts of different things where I could just I just needed something. There was a tough time in my life. I just wanted to decompress. I wanted to kind of hit the reset button, if you want to say. And you know, I hear all these things about meditating, and I'm really trying to get into it. And I'm looking and trying to learn about it. But nothing gives you any sort of specific thing. Like, there's no sort of where to start, how to do it, um, where to go, and your explanations of it are fantastic. Well, thank you. Well, you know, the thing is, that I've taken a lot of the things from the esoteric world. You know, I've gone and lived in the ashrams in India, lived in the ashrams in Nepal. I, I've gone and really taken, like, I've got my 101, my. T- 201, 301, 401. I've just, I've just really been a student of just learning of how I could be well. And, and it's taken me all over the world and it's allowed this the development to happen. And I used to be this left brain individual. In some cases, I still am. So I cater to the left brain individual that needs that concreteness to get into the abstract. So I deal with a lot of corporate executives and, and people in that caliber. So I give them that language, again, language to connect to where they are, to bridge them to that place of where we can possibly be. Yeah, because and just like I, you know, I was telling you at the beginning, I like the blending of all the worlds. You know, I've talked to several like, 
you know, special forces guys, military people, and they're just like, they're these manliest of the manly men, but then they love art. You know, they love drawing. They have like this side where they connect with um, at the same time. So like blending both worlds together is just something that, that I'm really into and because I like different things. You know, I, I do like the concreteness, but then my favorite thing that I do is like a hot, like whenever I get to do it is go rollerblading and skating. And it's like, it's like you just make up your own patterns of what you feel that day. And, and so blending that world together and coming to, so I like, I, I don't think that there need, there has to be a separation between that left brain thinking person that he can't get in touch with the other side. So, so let's go into it. So here's the thing. When we talk about love, what are we typically focusing on? Right? We're focusing on the good parts of love. But love embodies all of it. It embodies just as much as the good times as the so-called bad times. The misunderstandings, the dysfunction, the frustration, things like that. You cannot compartmentalize life. So we, so in our, in our culture, we begin to go into, well, let me go with passion. And, you know, so I'm going to have an excitement of with a piece of my life. You have to have an excitement of all your life or you can't have none of it. It doesn't work like that. We, it's not a, like a Chinese menu. <laughs> you can't say I want a 22 and a 33. You got to have all of it. Unfortunately, this is what it is. <laughs> uh, oh, that's awesome. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. that I mean, that's. That's a crazy. I mean, I I really like that statement, but that's something hard to grasp, Keith. I, I mean, I'm not gonna like. You think about that. Growing up, people got you know they, you go and get a job, you follow this sort of thing. You're like, well, I want to do what I love. You know, just speaking in this sort of general term, and it kind of starts there with like, I just got to get a job and make an income. I'm gonna become an engineer because I make a lot of money when I don't really love engineering, whatever it is. Um, and they you get stuck in that hole in that path of, I mean, a lot of people do it. And they're successful. They do a lot of things, but there's just something eating at them inside. And I think you touched on what it is. You can't be passionate in one thing and not all of life. Right, right, right. You can't straddle the fence, you know. So, so we'll we'll excel as as this character, and then the rest of our lives will be on a decline. And so, what I'm suggesting through these practices, I'm suggesting through mindfulness. It's going to allow us the opportunity to be in this whole development as a human and not the character. I'm, the, I'm going to be the human being that has the capacity to be the doctor, the capacity to be the athlete and so on. But I can do so much more. I can love. I can, I can, uh, I can be vulnerable. I can, I can share myself with people. You know, I can, you know, I can connect to other people. Things like that, right? So that's what we need to uh, incorporate in our lives to create this new paradigm that we want to to see happen here. We need this. We need this, and especially in the times that we're in. And actually, the times have really not changed. We just have more exposure with the internet to see what's happening. But uh, it's been here the whole time. And I think through these practices, you know, when you talk about consciousness, it's simply awareness. And it builds our awareness not only – and we start with ourselves. I love that you said the times are not that – like they're really not any different. They're probably even a little better than they used to be. But we're just exposed to everything. Like everything's in front of our face now. Like every time something bad happens, 
we get to hear about it immediately. Every time something like crazy happens, we get to hear about it immediately. It's like there's a fear that comes along with that when it's constantly out there and you're constantly have access to it. I agree with that. And, and that creates some of the, as you mentioned earlier, you were, you were referencing the military, but that PTSD begins to create uh, the con- constriction, the con- you know, the contraction. And what we need to do is also, as we contract, we need to expand. And through the expansion, we create the release. You know, we release it. So we don't live in fear. We can still live and, and, and thrive and, and make that and put that in the forefront of our, our minds. And we, we contribute some to, something to that every day. We must live. We're not here to survive. Human beings don't, we don't, we can't, you know, we don't, we're not here to survive. We have way more consciousness to than that. We're here to thrive, excel, love, you know, things like that. And I think we just have to build that in our curriculum. Uh, and that curriculum can be in your personal as well as, um, you know, and the other things that we can implement as well. So, you know, you have teachers listening, we have doctors listening, uh, whatever you do on a day-to-day basis, you can implement that. And that can be the spice that we need to really, again, excel in this life together. And I love, oh man, all this stuff is tying into something because it's, it's something that I heard, somebody told me once, like their kid was going in, you know, he's like, I'm not going to push my kid to go play baseball because... I mean, what's he going to do? He's going to play through high school and that's going to be it. It's really tough to make the varsity team. I mean, these are like infants. He's like, I'm not going to push him to go into high school sports. If if so, I'll just go to a smaller school, like private thing, where he can just kind of play and have fun or whatever. But they they just strive for existence. Yes. And, and when you say passion, to me, passion is like all in. Like you said, you can't, you know, whenever I start something or a hobby, I dive headfirst into it and I go crazy. Like I'm constantly thinking about it it's constantly being searched up researched whatever i have that sort of addictive personality i guess if you want to say that's what you want to call it but it's it's just i get into it i have fun and i'm drawn to it that's all i want to do and that's all i'm thinking about i'm maybe at work but i'm thinking about this thing and so when i hear that it i don't i don't want to say it angers me it's just kind of wonder it makes me sad that somebody would live their life with no expectations of anything better than just surviving now again going back into the words a lot of these these terminologies learned you know and the reality is majority of our existence has been learned only to be begin to be conscious do we control the narrative do we take the hands by the steering wheel to say okay you know i learned some good things things that contribute to my life that 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 do well and are constructive and there's some things a lot of things that don't lead me to a positive outcome so those things i let go and I create new ways of being as well. So now it goes back to the formula. And this is the formula that I use to, to X out passion, right? Uh, uh, habits become to be practice, your practice. Your practice becomes your lifestyle. So habits become your practice. Your practice becomes your lifestyle. I like it. I dig it, man. That's awesome. I, I mean, And that's what my dad used to always say. Practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. Yes, yes, yes. And so, like, if you think of it, you know, you're thinking of it that way. Well, I mean, whatever your practice is, if that's your, you know, your mindfulness, then that's what you're going to make permanent. You know, if you make the opposite of that, that's what you're going to make permanent. Right. So as you go in, like you say, I go all in on my passion. Well, you got to go all in on life. You got to go all in on love. 
got to jump. <laughs> and those things, right? You got it, it's mandatory, or it's like, what, what is it? I, I saw this statement. I know I'm I, I'm pulling it from my mind, but I don't think I'm going to remember it. But um, uh, man, I, something about an effort, and it's like ninety nine percent or something. That, I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm drawing a blank on it, but uh, if I could remember that quote, I would. It would be right on time for this. But I can't. <laughs> That's okay. It happens to me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, this this is like the the whole one hundred percent end thing, and and just like living that life and going after it. It really is scary when you say going one hundred percent in. If you you go one hundred percent in on love, there's people scared to get married all the time. There's people scared to love people all the time or be vulnerable. Really, it's a vulnerability thing. Like letting that guard down um, and that wall down and taking that chance. It's kind of like stepping off a ledge, you know? Uh, the, the way I would equate it is I've gone bluff jumping before, you know, off of rocks into water from 80 foot high. And you're up there and you know that there's water down there, but at the same time you're way up and your body's saying, do not jump, do not jump. And you have to tell yourself, I'm going for this. Right. And you just jump off and you go for it. And then once you're committed, once you, cause you know, once you jump, you can't go back. Right. Right. And so that, that, that's how scary it is. I think for people when you're telling them, you know, there's a lot of people who wouldn't jump off that cliff cause it is scary. So that when, when you're putting those scenarios of like go a hundred percent, that's a scary thing for a lot of people. Well, you know, well, it's like, you know, it's like love. I mean, you know, love, Let's give, like, I always like to kind of give a tangible. You, you just said a tangible, but that could be scary, jumping off a cliff. Let's just say the word love, since you hear a lot of people use this term. Well, love means 100%. And if you believe in love, then go out and love and see how it works for you, right? And from that loving that you do in the world, now you build an intuition of how you to, are to sustain that love. Man. And... See, this is another thing that I read that stuck. <laughs> it stuck with me for so long, but yeah. you just kind of touched on it in your own words and feelings. Is that is, uh, I was I forgot where I, what book I read it in too. It's kind of crazy because I read it a long time ago. But this guy's having trouble with his, you know, with his spouse, and the friend is there, and he comes to him. He says, "Man, I, you know, I've been married to her for a long time, but I, you know, I just I think it's over. I don't think that there's anything we can do, and I wish I could." And he goes, "Well, do you love her?" And he said, "Yeah." And he goes. Do you want to stay with her? It's like, yeah. Well, then love her. Yeah. Just yeah. go practice. Just go love her. And he's like, well, he goes, it's not harder than that. It's not any harder. You, no matter what she does, you go and you love her, and then love her tomorrow, and then love her the next day, and then eventually, it will bl- it, like those two things will come together. So now I take, because here's the thing that kind of gets us kind of twisted here. We, we didn't realize we had a relationship going on with ourselves. So all these different things that we want, compassion, patience, all these types of things, we've never extended it to ourselves. We want other people to give it to us. And so we're, we're putting that, that rapport of not ever establishing these things within ourselves. So where, where are we learning how to do this? Television? Our, our family? 
magazines, books. So we're putting again the role play, and you and just like any other store, you can only the the, the store at some point has to close. The facade can only hang for so long. So my point is, we, we were putting on these acts, and these acts are not sincere. Like, you're talking about vulnerability. If you cannot be vulnerable, then you cannot truly connect. I believe that 100%. Yeah. 100%. That's one thing, like, that I love doing is, like, just get, you know, and it, it doesn't always, man, I don't even think the bad is that bad anymore, you know? Like, mm-hmm. if somebody steps over it, I say, well, that's on them. You know, but being vulnerable is so, I don't know if it's freeing. Um, some some people would say I'm too vulnerable and give up too much information or, you know, it, you know, give in too much. But I love it. It's something that I crave. Something that I, like, go after is, is a meaningful relationship with with others and being vulnerable and letting them know, like, hey, because I think I figured out that I'm not alone. You know, even when I thought I was alone before, I'm, people go through the same sort of thing all the time. And I just, I want to, I, I, I would like to let other people know like, hey man, we're all human beings and we all struggle and go through anger and strife and downtimes and, you know, whatever it is. And so that, that vulnerability of letting your guard down and showing others your weak side or your, you know, your open spot um, and really like, I think it just builds a bond that lasts forever. Yes, yes. But what we were taught, we were taught to build walls. So, like, so just like you know how you see Donald Trump talking about building walls. <laughs> so we we build walls, right? And over time, these walls inhibit us from connecting to ourselves. The person that wants to be seen, the person that wants to be heard, is you to yourself. It's is keeping you up at night because you're not listening to you. You're not seeing you. It starts with you, and then it can excel out. It, it can go out to the world. It's like that's 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 the itch that we're that we're not. It, we're just ignoring. We're just scratching. It's like we think everything is external, but the thing is internal. All the knowledge comes within, and then we take it out into the world. But it has to be. It has to be practiced on ourselves. It has to be established within, or it's not going to be authentic. Well, it, and you're like putting a mirror up right in front of my face when you're talking about some of this stuff because when you and probably one of my favorite lines, which I'm going to take away from this podcast for and probably life forever, is that um, you said we always want patience from others, but we're never wanting to give it to ourselves, and that you couldn't be saying that more about me because I'm my hardest critic, and I expect myself to be on it perfect do everything and when i don't i get so upset like not it it just immediate there's no patience there's no learning curve i get i am like no now this is now okay do it again i mean i do have that in me but i also have that lack of patience to of, of like man you know my will of wanting to do it and get it right over like overcomes the lack of patience i have with myself right so, so that, one of the things I do is like tell people, be patient with you. Start with you. Try that and see how that works. And you build upon it. You build momentum with it. You build a rapport with it. And they and say like, you'll be able to extend it. You'll see yourself. You'll see yourself in real time transition to how you approach other people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But then at the same time, I mean, 
when when you tell somebody to be patient with themselves though everybody like you know in, in the understanding of it is w- what does that truly mean be patient with yourself allow yourself the opportunity to to to, to win allow yourself the opportunity to be loved like give yourself a chance to grow nothing goes from zero to a hundred right away we have to prepare we have to you know living takes practice and, and we're going to stumble within the, in those in those times. Allow ourselves to take the stumbles, get up, pick ourselves up, and get back going again. Allow yourself to develop. Growth and develop happen, development happens this way. But we don't expect ourselves to. We want to be hard on ourselves. But we were learning this. We were taught all these, these, these behaviors. But they're not serving us because they're never allowing us to get where we want to be. Does that contradict everything that you grew up doing uh, in football? Of course, of course. <laughs> but that's but that's you know the things that we were searching though. You know the things that we go out and we're searching in the world mainly because we don't know who we are. We were never told who we are. We were never told that we had greatness potential. We had to go out and prove that we were like likable, that we could be exceptional. We had to go and prove to our parents that. But the reality, what happens when we're told that you have this potential? Now, you have access to it. Now, go go out and create it. Go out and be it. And it, with that encouragement, we, we didn't, you know, in a lot of cases, I see CEOs, I see uh, really successful people, and I see a consistency here, and we didn't get that message. You know, we didn't get that message. So a lot of people are out there trying to prove themselves. And you get to the top of the mountain, top of the hill i got everything i got the money i got the houses and you find this one thing i'm not happy i'm i don't have love in my life i can't connect to anyone i can't share who i am to anyone i feel i have all these people around me but i'm isolated i'm lonely you know where's my happiness (laughs) you know know, and that takes us to a a real midlife crisis yeah that's what i guess that really is what i mean I've never really, my dad never experienced it. My, you know, I never saw it with my mom and the people I was around. I, you know, thankfully I had some really awesome parents that, you know, that, that raised me, but, um, I can see that being what a real midlife crisis would be is that it's like, you realize, you know, your time's moving faster now because you haven't slowed it down and you're in this thing and you're, you're doing things that you're not passionate about. You may be successful, but all these different things in this relationship with yourself is going on that's not working out, and now you're panicking. So here you go. Here's here's another scenario, Aaron. I got some for you because okay. I've been I've been putting this through trial and error for a long time. So now I do find that student who says, "Hey, well, I had a loving parent. I had a loving household." Well, here's the kicker: who you fall in love with, and what is their scenario? Because when they come from, with that background that we just talked about, then it takes you through that whole spindle all over it, as if you did have that same background. <laughs> so it's like this. So we got to really be mindful of it. It's, it's, it's because we don't just exist in ourselves because we want to extend it. So it's going to take us out into the interaction I call the conflict of life, which is necessary because we want to connect. But what happens is, when we are, when we are coming with these traumas, we come in with all these different wounds that haven't been addressed. Well, those inhibit us from connecting because we can't show our true self. 
Man, I can I can see myself doing that like in all sorts of little situations just with myself and not not from the um not from the benefit of like or not from other people making me do it. It's me feeling like I couldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the past. Um I've since grown past a lot of that stuff. Uh I don't exactly I I mean, I think being away, being going and seeing new places, um, being—I don't want to say by myself, but going into like traveling has done it. Um, living away from family and friends—you know, you go to a place where you don't have any friends, and then you make friends and you get out and you see things. But you—you kind of have to figure out you a little bit. Yes. And yes. but I can see, you know, I can see. A lot of what you just said, man. This is like, this is cr- this is crazy stuff. I I love it. I did not. I honestly did not expect. Um, I honest. I you know you see like guru and yogi stuff, and you know I've talked to people like you know tons of people like that before. None of them are this in depth. Well, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> oh, Oh, one hundred percent, dude. Because and this is I I say this and and. That one thing that I love about doing this podcast, I've said it before on here, but and so if anybody hears it and they get annoyed with it, oh well. But it's that it's taught me one really important thing, and and that is to like to understand the difference between small talk and meaningful conversation. Mm. And so, like when somebody gets in depth and they're deep, and like what you're saying is meaningful, like you have a you have a, the things you say have purpose to them, and. You've lived them and you understand them, um, and just bringing that out—it been like I feel like I got educated, you know. And that—that yeah. I mean, selfishly, that brings me joy. Um, but I hope by doing this, like you sitting on here, I hope that brings other people joy. Like they hear that and go, "Man, I can see that in me too." Yeah, yeah. Because we're just reflections of one another. Like even to the exchange of just seeing it. And, and, and see that you receive it, man. It gives, it's, it's an exchange that we don't talk about, it, it, but it also fills me. I think the teacher or the person who's sharing the message in some cases, as we all get to be the teacher and the student, but as in teaching, when you, when the person can receive, just like I mentioned earlier about the kids, and you see, it, it fills my heart naturally as well. And I think that's the whole dynamic of connection, the human exchange, the malnourishment that we've suffered from in the past that we can gain now in this present moment yeah yeah now i mean you've traveled all over the like all over the place to just to do this like with that purpose in mind well i wanted to heal I, i wanted to heal i wanted to be free i wanted to uh free my mind the, the, the paralysis that I was suffering from physically, I also realized the paralysis that was in my mind, those, 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 uh, the thoughts that I had about myself. I was an athlete. I was this. I didn't know who Keith was. I needed to go and find who is Keith, right? And this is why going back to the breath on the inhale is who we think we are. And on the exhale is who we truly are, right? I wanted to live in my truth. I wanted to speak my truth. So those relationships had to be established with myself as well as the people around me that I said I love and I wanted to love. I wanted to have connections with. So I had to I had to break those barriers, man. <laughs> That's some pretty big barriers, Keith. Yeah. Like yeah. it's kinda crazy. So did you just and and you just decided like you just 
picked it up and said, I'm going to go live in these other places and study with these people and then move on to the next whenever it's time? Well, you know, the thing is, that, like, it's like the questioning, right? When you and, and, and back to that question, and there's because there's a reason why we don't ask the question. And the reason why we don't ask the question, because we're afraid of the answer. And so when you put yourself out there, right, the universe, you know, the universe will give you and support you on this, right? You can call it God, you can call it whatever you like, but the universe will support you on this. So you'll find your path. Your path will just open up to you. And then you'll find yourself, because you're putting yourself in these places. And and then you're like, well, I'm going to go here. I'm going to see what's going on over here. Well, I'm going to go here and get fed over here. I'm going to go learn this over here. And like I said, I've been going through this like this crash course of, of just learning. And I've been doing it now for about 16 years, and it's just been life-changing. It just And these places, these opportunities just open up. They're like, come, come, come over here to Indonesia. Come over to Hong Kong, Singapore. You know, come to the Netherlands and teach. You know, it's just, and that's just the the, the the capacity in which we have as human beings as we put ourselves out and allow the growth to happen. But you gave that one hundred percent. Yeah. And so then, and it just led from the universe gave it back to you one hundred percent. Yes, and that's how it can work. And that's, I mean, and that that question was a little bit to bait that in there because I kind of knew that that was the answer just telling from that but it's so true with everything that we like that we do with it is it it's when we give something all of ourselves and and you just brought it to my mind you know when you say you can't have you can't be on the fence with life you can't be passionate about one thing and not passionate about this other thing I mean if it works with one thing where if you throw 100% of yourself out there and the universe throws 100% back because you gave it everything you had well, then why can't it do that with all of life? Yes, yes. And I think that's, so that's what you kind of proved with what you did. Yeah. And, and, you know, so when we put in our approach to just where we are right now, we're sowing seeds. Think of it. We're sowing energetic seeds. And what we put energy to, it will grow. Do we want it to grow positive? Or do we want it to be constructional when it grows? Or do we want the opposite of that? So we have a choice. Again, consciousness, when we put that approach to the things that we're doing, creating in our lives, in all aspects of human activity. Now, realize we can, we can, we can conduct this. We, like I always tell people, you're the protein. You want to go around looking for protein? You're the protein. And what you do on a day-to-day basis, what you put in your mind to do and create in your life, 75 trillion cells will, will commit to supporting you on that. <laughs> you know it's so funny that the way you say that is I just had my phone stolen and taken like not really stolen it's like a complete accident freak thing it's probably in the bottom of somebody's gym bag but I was without it for seven days so no phone for seven days I just got it back yesterday right and I like you realize like there's so many people that are tied to different things and and distracted by this or they've you know you've got your phone and then i'm without it and it was like a i was left alone to be to create like i didn't really miss it to tell you the truth i actually enjoyed not having it with me and not seeing it all the time and fully connecting with people and and the things that were going in my brain were human interactions because we don't really watch tv we don't you know there's not a lot of that going on. So really and truly, the things that for those seven days, it was all human interaction. 
Mm-hmm. And that right there brought me joy. Right. So you realize like when you don't get that, like what I put into myself, what what I was feed, what I feed myself when, you know, I've got something to entertain me or I'm constantly doing work, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to work on the podcast. I'm going to do promotions. I'm going to, you know, brand my coffee and try to work on that. Uh, I've got another job I'm trying to do. And then I've got kids to take, you know, you've got all these things that you're putting into your brain, you know, instead of just being present in that particular moment. Yeah, and and I and I, it's so funny you're bringing this up because I always, you know, contribute to like when you look at sports, you look at the interviews, and and um, you say, well, you know, the players like I'm I'm getting better, I'm trying to get better every day, I'm getting better. Now, what happens when we, like you're saying, we put this emphasis on ourselves to be a better human, to be kinder, to be more authentic, to allow ourselves to be more loving. You know, I say when we when I say loving, I also include lovable because loving can just be an act but you also have to be to be lovable is authenticity you know these types of you know attributes how how if we put these and again in the frontal lobe of our brains and make that an emphasis on doing that with ourselves to get better how does the world change how do we change how does our lives change (laughs) yeah that's that is so I mean, all these words are fantastic. Like, I mean, not just the words, but the meaning behind them. And, like, the effects it can have on us in our daily life just by asking the question. And when you said be lovable, that, I mean, it it totally rings true. It's not just be loving. It's be lovable. Like, that means, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Right. You know, to, like, you want to be lovable and you want to be that person like you want to be with that person that shows you that same sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. I, I really like that. I mean, there's no better way to like really go about and live your life, but it, somebody who's struggling with it, they may be depressed or they may like be down in the dumps or, uh, they may, you know, they're hitting a rough time in their life. Do you tell them just to get up and say those things to themselves and put them in, even though they may not fully believe it at that moment in time? Well, first, like, when you talk about, like, a, a diagnosis, like, because I'm not defined by anyone's diagnosis, including my own, right? So when we look at the word, you talk about depression, and you, and like we mentioned in the beginning of the, of the segment, uh, words are a container. Words are a condition. So if you give yourself this concept, then that's what you will have. Now, let's break down the word depression. It's a suppression of the expression. So you have something to say, you have a a, a thing that you want to do, but you keep blocking yourself, you're blocking that energy. And over time, it's bringing you down, it's eating you up inside, it's not allowing you to be, be free to breathe. So that one thing, we got to find out what that thing is, we got to unravel this word, this propagandized term that we're using, and go into the realness of what that is that's in my way. And a lot of times it's more than a depression, it's a fear. It's, it's a it's a it's a it's a trauma that you know you're you're embarrassed about. It's something deeper than that, and so we go into that and we clear that, so we get to the root of the situation, so you can be free to express. <laughs> I'm having a podcast with somebody that's like so much smarter than I've, I feel like I've ever talked. This is, I mean, it really it really is blowing my mind. It's kind of crazy, like uh, just all this information is going into my head that I'm going like, man, I need to, 
that I need to hang on to that. I need to hang on to that. I'm really glad I'm recording this because <laughs> because I want to go back and re-listen to it and just be like, man, I need to soak up all of this knowledge. It's it's fantastic. Like it's crazy stuff. It's so simple. Like you, it really isn't hard. What you're saying is not hard. It's real easy. It's easy things to do, but for some reason we make it hard. Yes. Yes. And that's that. Like you're explaining it in a way that makes it understandable that it's easy. Yes. So yeah. I I really like it, man, Keith. Um, well, we're getting close to that hour on it, and I don't want to take you too you know too much longer, but. Let everybody know where they can find you, um, when your book is coming out, if you have a date for that, any sort of information that you want to throw out there to everybody. Yes, great. Um, my website, KeithMitchellMindfulnessMovement.com, KeithMitchellMindfulnessMovement.com. My social media handles are KeithMitchell59. 59 was my jersey number, not my age. <laughs> Some people <laughs> ask that. Uh, yeah. Uh, my Facebook page is Keith Mitchell 59 and also the LinkedIn. You can find me there. And I check my messages. Uh, send me questions that you have. Email me. Uh, I love to answer any questions. I'll be on a book tour, international book tour. So I look forward to seeing you on my journey to help you maybe possibly on yours. So I look forward to it. Awesome, man. Well, thank you, Keith, so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the podcast and thank you to Keith for being a guest on the show. I really enjoyed that conversation a lot. As always, don't forget to like, rate, and review on your listening platform, preferably iTunes. It really helps out. Repost on social media and until the next episode, see you.